gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each, of, each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he had also descended into the lower regions, the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. Then to Acts 11, verse 19. Acts 11, 19. Now those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except Jews. But there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who on coming to Antioch spoke to the Hellenists also, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number who believed turned to the Lord. The report of this came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he came and saw the grace of God, he was glad, and he exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. And a great many people were added to the Lord. So Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. For a whole year they met with the church and taught a great many people. And in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. Now in these days came down, now in these days, prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. And one of them, named Agabus, stood up and foretold by the Spirit that there would be a great famine over all the world. This took place in the days of Claudius. So the disciples determined everyone according to his ability to send relief to the brothers living in Judea. And they did so, sending it to the elders by the hand of Barnabas and Saul. This is the word of the Lord. Praise be to Christ. Thank you, Jeff. I love Barnabas's words to the church. If you're a follower of Christ and don't feel like paying attention to this sermon, just hear this. Remain faithful with steadfast purpose. We're doing a vision series, and one of the challenges to a vision series is, boy, there's some fun stuff in this text that I'd really like to unpack. Five, six verses total for the sermon, like especially those verses that we reflect on in the Apostles' Creed about Jesus ascending and descending. I'd love to talk more about prophecy and the role it played in the early church and how uh, we sometimes miss our opportunities to receive it in the local church, but the point of this sermon is to notice the building of the Antioch church, the beginning of it. Some of you are familiar with the scriptures, you know about the Antioch church, others are like, I don't know as much about that one, and I think one of the reasons is um, it was full of uh, adult converts, and so they had different kinds of baggage than the other 
New Testament churches. If you've read the letter to the Corinthians, Paul is essentially pulling his hair out rhetorically trying to correct them. At one point he even says pagans don't live this way. Galatians, he calls them foolish because they were so steeped in legalism. The Antioch church, I think, was significantly um, healthier. Though in, in, with adult converts, you have to then come and, and teach them the law of God, which is often not how they turn to God, but that they don't understand it as quickly or as um, thoroughly. But I started with Ephesians 4 because this is what we're doing right now. We're actually equipping one another for the work of ministry that we're called to. Each of you as a human being, if you're a follower of Jesus and have given your allegiance to him, have the incredible privilege of equipping one another with your songs, with the greeting time. The greeting time is is just as important as the other things that we do because bit by bit, increment by increment, as we become better friends with one another, we will then equip one another. So the reason that I wanted to read the scripture is because uh, walk worthy is a good thing to hear with humility and gentleness, patience, bearing with one another in love is a description of the church and a description of how the church needs to grow, but especially verse 12, to equip the saints for the work of ministry for building up the body of Christ. Which is why I encouraged, four weeks ago, encouraged you to get involved with what we do on Sunday mornings. Some of you should not be given a microphone to sing. I am one of you. We need people welcoming people when they come in the door. If we say that we're a welcoming and hospitable congregation and that no one actually does the work of welcoming, we're going to be not building up the body of Christ, right? Those of you with uh, young children know that one of the ways that we equip the saints is taking care of one another's children. We actually take vows to that when we do baptisms and dedications. Coffee. Who's excited for the coffee to come back? Me too. Me too. And for most of us, coffee is one of the ways that we're equipped because then we actually can pay attention and we're alert and a little bit happier. We need the tech team and they are really good. And I think I'm getting a little better at not causing problems for them every week. Only through one curve today and it wasn't a big one and you were even expecting it. Yeah. Someone's about to applaud them. If you want to applaud the tech team, you can. We're really blessed by the people that lead our liturgy, who are themselves up here. They read at different speeds and cadences. They have different accents. They came to the Lord in different fashion, and they're guiding us in our worship. I often find that I haven't taken a deep breath until the liturgist takes us through their prayers. Thankful for that. Thanks, Jeff. Those of you that do that. And to truly equip one another, this must happen beyond Sundays. I mean, I I suppose we could change how we do Sundays to be significantly longer, but to grow in your faith, to mature, you need more than sermons. Like, especially your sermons. (laughs) That's fine. You need more than study of Scripture. You need friends who you could discuss these things with. Friends that will... Be honest with you and sit and laugh. And it take, I read an article this week, what did it say, 200 hours? That is a tall order. It's a study on friendship and what it requires, and we need it. The reason I chose Acts 11 is because Barnabas was essential 
in the church planting work, but he goes and he gets Paul because he's not the teacher. Paul's the teacher. Paul's significantly more famous than Barnabas, but this church does not come together, does not do the work it's supposed to do without friendship, which is what Barnabas offered. What are we equipping one another for? Not just worship, not just community, but faithful presence. I offer this as an umbrella term. Sometimes it involves evangelism, sometimes not. I mentioned this last week. I forgot to mention in the 9 o'clock service, but the homeless are one of the most proselytized people groups in the world, which is why I'm so grateful that the, the homeless ministry that we partner with is very, very sensitive and care, careful about that topic. At the same time, when kids show up here for day camp, we tell them that God loves them because it's a good news. And we're going to have a shaving cream day this year. Oh, yeah. It's going to be fun. And the reason we do that is, for a child, part of faithfully, being faithfully present to them is facilitating fun. And then we're going to tell them, God loves you, and he likes you. And we need to tell you about his son, Jesus, and you need Jesus, and all those things. What we're, when we worship, we're equipping ourselves for the fundamental need of a human, which is to worship God. We're equipping one another for friendship and community, and we're equipping one another for the faithful presence opportunities before us. So I hope that you find a way to get involved. I did not even pick that picture, but like 10 minutes ago, I was like, it's time for Team Lawton to get back up on stage and sing. If you have worship gifts, greeting, which we call first impressions, is essential. Years ago, um, when we didn't have the welcome room, I was sitting in my office, um, it was in between services, and I saw a person start walking into the church and then turn around and start walking the other way because they weren't positive they were going the right way. If you've been at the church a long time, you know what happened next. Brian Edwards saw them, and he walked out. It was, saw her, and he walked out, and he said, hey, were you wondering which way to go? And she said, yes. That's how important first impressions are. If Brian hadn't seen that problem and addressed it, that person wouldn't have worked. And I don't remember who it was. I don't know if they're still here or not. Maybe they're watching online. If so, send me an email. Let me know if that was you. It's essential that we do this very basic work. To some of you, it would be intimidating to be on the First Impressions team. And to others, it's like, can't everybody do this? Nope. Not everybody's good at being warm and welcoming. It's an opportunity. And it's not unimportant to welcome people into this place. Perhaps children. Oh, that's the dinosaur costume he's wearing today. Lydie, you just, the Holy Spirit was with you in picking these pictures. Way to go. And we will eventually return to coffee, and we'd love your help making it. Equipping the saints with grace. Now I'm looking at, back at Acts chapter 11, when Barnabas gets to the, to the brand newly formed church in Antioch in verse 23 when he came and saw the grace of God he was glad and he exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose for he was a good man full of the Holy Spirit and of faith and a great many people were added to the Lord Barnabas saw them receiving the grace of Jesus saw them enjoying the grace of Jesus and then offering it to one another in song Sacrament, friendship, worship, faithful presence. Our elders are convinced that we're called to begin the process of starting a new church. Can you imagine going there in four or five years and worshiping with a group of people that you helped begin, perhaps in a place that did not have a warm 
orthodox church to worship in. I hope that that's a fun picture for you. It is for me. About half, I'm going to say about half the people that have joined the church um, in the eight years that I've been here have said essentially, we didn't know there was a church like this in New England. And they don't mean my preaching. What they're talking about is a church that's orthodox, welcoming, but not combative. Oftentimes we get a church that's not orthodox, it's welcoming. Well, that's not going to do it. Or a church that's orthodox in their belief in a risen savior, but it's a fight. It's always some kind of a combat with the culture and the world. And I think that's what they're getting at when they tell me that. And I think this area could use one more solid, equipping station for saints to be equipped through worship, community, and to do faithful presence where they find themselves. And I think it could be a lovely group of people like the church in Antioch. Equipping the saints with grace to remain faithful. I just decided to shed that illustration. You can ask me about it later if you're like, why'd you have a picture of luggage up there? We're just going to let that one go. Barnabas was glad, and he exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. This is what Christians need, and this is what non-Christians need after they become followers of Christ. Someone telling them to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. And the reason theological standpoints, not what this text is getting at, but it is indirectly what this text reminds us of, is the Lord has always been faithful to you. It has not always felt like he has been faithful to you, and that's where we dig into the scriptures, and we do our theology, and we understand that his move of pursuing love and calling us to him proves his faithfulness to us, and the work of Jesus proves his faithfulness to us. How do we remain faithful? We continue to worship. We continue to sing our theology. We continue to pray with one another. We continue to serve one another on Sunday mornings and outside of it. We continue to study. What does it mean to worship a God who exists in three persons? We continue to proclaim that Jesus indeed rose from the dead. How much of the New Testament is just entirely invalidated if that's not part of our teaching, that he rose from the dead and is seated with Christ? New Testament does not make any sense, in my opinion, if that happened. We study the law of God, specifically the commandments. What does it look like to live the with God life? It means to worship him and him alone. It means to destroy our idols when we realize them. Quick definition of idolatry is something you don't think you can live without. We carry the name of the Lord with honor. We celebrate and worship and rest one day in seven because God's in control and we're not. We learn to honor the older generation. This is something that we take for granted now in a a good sense, actually, because our culture values the care of the elderly. At the time that the fifth commandment was given, it was given to adults, and the cultures surrounding them were not interested in caring for the older generation. We use our words and our bodies and our stuff for God's glory, and rightly, that's my summary of commandments 6, 7, 8, 9, and 10. Those are the things that we remain faithful to. 
We remain faithful to community, described really well in Ephesians chapter 4 as both the reality of community and what it requires, which is a lot of humility. And we remain faithful to being faithfully present where we find ourselves because he has been so faithful to us. And we do this that some may be added. And it's, it, it was bothering me this morning because that's not the way the text says it. And a great many people were added to the Lord, and that's our hope. But I am from Oklahoma, and even though my grandfather was converted through televangelism, I get a little nervous when people talk about big movements. Some of the biggest, most profound, powerful movements I've seen in my life have done as much, if not more, harm than good. And so my sermon outline says that some may be added because I want us to be humble. First of all, because uh, we're not going to plant in Antioch. We don't have a prophet named Agabus. I'm not sure who Barnabas is. I could make this metaphor, but I don't want to. I just want us to follow what happened in the Mediterranean in the first century through people sharing their faith, through friendship. This doesn't happen without the friendship of Barnabas. And then through continuing to worship with one another. That's our hope, is that some be added. The reason I included the uh, weird-sounding prophecy section of Acts chapter 11 is all the people in that church believed they had a role not only with that church, but to support the other churches in the area. It's a reminder to us that we have a role in this region. That's why our presbytery is very excited to help us start this new church. That's why our elders are. And if you're a follower of Jesus, we want people to be added to the family. That's as as basic as it gets, right? We want people to trust and follow Christ. And this is part of the opportunity. People believed because the gospel was shared with them. Friendship is the glue of this story. And then they are taught. Many turned to the Lord, and then a great many were added. That's the hope. Through the ministry here, and through the ministries that we're beginning. Equipping the saints with grace to remain faithful that some may be added. I remind you, talking about vision for all the reasons that I've already explained, much, 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 much more importantly are these words. Given to the church in Antioch, but written down and recorded to encourage us. If you are a follower of Christ, remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose, because he has always been faithful to you. Let's pray. Father, we fully anticipate and expect for you to sift through any and all pieces of this church that are not as glorifying to you and in line with your gospel and your scriptures and your mission and vision for us as individuals and as a corporate community. Sift through it. Dismantle it sooner rather than later. Build up the parts that are glorifying to you and are part of your mission in the world. Lord, there is so much that we are trying to do. What is more important is that we be. Would you help us to remember that you have always been faithful to us? And as we remember that, then we remain faithful to you.
Amen.